What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. And I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Brandon Burns. My friends, this goes deep fast. Brandon is incredible. He shares his stories of getting into foster care at age four, almost being homeless at age 19, all the way to delivering his third child at home three months ago. This is rich with growth, love, and real life. Enjoy meeting my friend, Brandon. Brandon, what's up, my friend? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Dude, I'm doing good. As we were just texting back and forth, you know, as life as a father goes, I had edited a podcast yesterday in the car while my daughter was at an appointment that I had to take her to. And so the headphones were still in her car. So I just ran, drove fast to her coffee shop, grabbed the headphones, deep breath, here we are. <laughs> but you know how it goes, man. My, I mean, my wife was out of town the last two days, so I was doing all the soccer and appointments and this and that. And so, you know, trying to make things work. Um, but that's life of a dad, right? Yeah. And that's why we need wives. Bro, I yes, it's a good reminder when they're gone for a couple of days. You you go, okay, yep, I, I couldn't, wouldn't want to do this a hundred percent on my own. So, dude, let's talk fatherhood first off. You know, before I ask my first question, I just want to say a massive thank you. You know, by the time this airs, the Adventure of Fatherhood Children's book will be out into the world, and we did a Kickstarter funding for it. And then, I mean, that ended at the you know end of 2022. And uh, the book is just now coming out. Valentine's Day actually is a published date, which is super rad because we love fatherhood. Um, but you were a big supporter of the Kickstarter. So, dude, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for for helping bring it to life. You got it. And I'm really excited to read that to my boys. Mm, dude, it's, it's going to be so good. Okay, let's talk fatherhood. So a few questions about you, Brandon. How old do you find yourself today? I find myself to be 30. 30 years old. And how many years you've been married? I've been married for six in uh, as of July. So coming up on seven years. Okay. Rad, dude. And how many kiddos do you guys have? Got three boys under five. My oldest is <laughs> Logan. Yeah. Uh, Logan is four and a half. Tio is two. And Elliam was born three months ago. Wow, dude. You are in the thick of it, but also just such a sweet, sweet time. Oh my goodness. Uh, so no messing around or a lot of messing around. As soon as you got married, you just got to work, bro. Good for you. Yeah. Somebody was, uh, recently told me I got to figure out what's going on and get it fixed. But my uncle always told me that we needed to get a television in our room, um, <laughs> you know, but I told him that probably just, that probably just egg us on. Uh, <laughs> um, so three boys and then, I mean, it's kind of too soon probably, but is there talk of we're going to have more or three and we're good? Where, where's the, that conversation at? So number four is going to be it, uh, biologically. And then after that, we're talking about adopting as well. Okay. So full plan. Got it. Beautiful yep. dude. Well, thank you. We need more men raising great, raising, raising great kids, especially boys. Um, okay. So married six years, three kids, more to come. Uh, where do you guys live? We're currently living in Roseville. Um, so Northern California. Yeah. That's something I can go into later, but every year that we've been married, we've moved. So mm. we're hoping to stay here for the next 10 years. <laughs> Dude. Yes. I feel you. 
we moved almost every year when we were first married and it was just so much man with little kids and moving and then there's something to be said about being able to be in a spot for more than two three four years or even like you said 10 i think the longest we've been married uh, 18 years gonna go on 19 i think the longest we lived in one spot was seven years or almost seven years um in this new spot we're really hoping same thing as you like 10 years would be the dream uh brandon what do you do for a living to provide for the family so currently i'm a business analyst for a school district and that just started three months ago as well so lots of change something else yeah it's like every time I have a kid, I switch jobs too. So <laughs> I, I got to stop doing that as well. Yeah. Oh, that's funny, dude. So question I want to ask you because you're so close to it, you know, having a three month old, and this has been on my mind a lot. I'm going to ask you two questions. Uh, the first question is, what do you find is the hardest thing as a young father? when it comes to embracing your role, you know, as you, as you first had your first kid, you know, what were the, did you feel equipped and ready to be a dad? Hell no. (laughs) So what'd you, so, so why, why didn't you feel that way? And then what did you do about it? And sorry, I didn't prompt you with any of these questions, but you know, with the adventure fatherhood book coming out and the purpose behind it, it's just young dads is so on my mind because it's so, it's so gnarly, dude. Like the first time you have a kid, you know, you sort of think you know what to expect and then you watch your wife give birth and it's the most amazing, barbaric, beautiful, she's a warrior mm. type thing. Like, oh my God, it's hard to describe. But you also watched her body transform for nine months and then have a baby and then she possibly fed the baby with her body. And then us dudes are standing there like, okay, who am I in this? So how did you process that? Well, first of all, the first few years we were married, I went through that transition of getting myself to be ready to be a dad, Mm. you know, that alone felt terrifying to me to even start that process. And um, so I had to take some time and get myself mentally prepared to go down that road. Because you guys were talking about like, we are, I mean, you knew we got married, we're going to have kids, but you didn't feel equipped. So you started preparing yourself well before you even, she got pregnant. Right. Yeah. Why did, why was there this conviction that you needed to prepare yourself? Well, I I think it goes into my childhood and some Mm. past things that I've been told that this would be way harder than it actually was, or that Um, in one situation, I wouldn't be a good dad. So I had to overcome those mental barriers. So is that something Um, someone told you that you wouldn't be a good dad or that you felt you wouldn't be a good dad? Yeah. I was actually told that by my mom. Oh my gosh. Yep. Wow, bro. How old are you? I was 18 and that was one of the last conversations we had. Um, Cause I, I didn't accept that fortunately, um, for myself and, um, I ended up getting kicked out of my house shortly after that. So it was like just heaping verbal abuse at me and then I wasn't going to accept it anymore. So then it was like, okay, get out. (laughs) Wow. Dude, I'm so sorry. She said that. And that is not true. Good for you for finding a different belief, right? Because it's, it's one thing to hear that from, I mean, you, if you said your dad said it to you, it's like, dang, that sucks. But for some reason, there's this little bit deeper understanding that dads can just suck sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this idea of like the mother, right? You don't, I don't know why there's this deeper thing when a mom uses words. Because I think our expectations is that moms are going to be tender and care for us in regardless of our dad. So man, that's heavy. I'm really sorry that that happened. So how old were you when you got married then? 24? I, I was 23. Okay. When I got married and then, um, I, I think we had our first when I was 26. 
So when you got married and you're like, okay, this, this baby thing's coming. I mean, there's this voice in the back of your head of what your mom said to you. So what did you do about it to untie yourself from, from anchoring to that belief that you wouldn't be a good dad? I, I think counseling for sure. Um, going to different counselors to heal some of my childhood issues, um, going to other dads. Um, I had a, another couple that came into my life around the same time I got kicked out of my house. So I, I ended up moving in with them and they, they gave me a very different message Mm. that, that I didn't get growing up of love and acceptance and then I had a much better role model as a mom and dad as well. So, so you're I 18 think, when you moved in with these people. Correct. And where'd you move? So you're not a kid anymore. Where'd you meet these people at? Um, at, at my church at the time. So your church at the time. And are you a senior in high school or did you graduated? I had graduated the year prior. And then I was actually at a junior college at that point. I uh, I got out of high school early, tested out with the GED. So, well, man, God bless those people, right? They they took you in and showed you a different way. I mean, the power that we have to influence lives like sounds pretty pretty big time for you. Absolutely. How long did you live with them? I lived with them for about nine months, and then I got my own apartment. So they kind of helped me with that last little leap into adulthood i would say wow dude well big shout out to that family did they have kids when you were with them yes a girl and a boy and how old were my age oh around your age okay okay yeah hmm okay so 18 you go live with them you get a different understanding you're kind of stopping that, you know, attaching yourself to any mindset, any other things you did. So putting yourself back at that. All right. Like imagine that when you had your, your first child, uh, four and a half years ago, when you're standing there, this baby's delivered. Are you feeling like, okay, not, maybe not ready. Right. I don't know if any of us feel ready, but did you feel unattached from those negative things that you had been told? I think, yeah, in the moment, Like after watching my wife um, deliver the baby, seeing my son, um, it all just kind of became clear for me. And then it was just that journey of like, okay, how do I do this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it was kind of funny because I think every dad kind of struggles, but what I ended up leaning on was my military background. Mm -hmm. Um. So I was telling my wife, we're going to switch off watching this baby every two hours. We're not going to let her eyes off it, you know, and <laughs> I'm like laying out logistics and strategy of how to do this. And she's like, well, actually, if the baby's sleeping, you don't have to watch him. And that was like a huge light bulb going off in my head. <laughs> You're like, it's cool. I'm going to just stand and watch. Did you have moments? Okay, so I was a young dad as well. And I'd be laying in bed and Brooklyn would be in her crib, like in the other room. This is, she had to be like six months or nine months at this time. And I would just be thinking, she's definitely not breathing. She's not breathing. Right. So I'd get up and I'd go put my head right up to her little mouth. Okay. She's alive still. <laughs> and then go back to bed. You remember moments like that? Oh, heck yeah. Yep. Every day. And, and then now on your third kid, you're like, ah, they're fine. <laughs> yeah. it definitely comes with experience right experience uh teaches you so much man that first kid is so gnarly let me ask this brandon what did you learn about yourself as a man having that first kid like think of that first year all the discoveries that you make about yourself you you, can you recall anything you learned about yourself oh it, it was huge uh areas of growth in development mm. for me, um, just really, you know, putting away some of my immaturity, being more responsible, um, uh, having more confidence, honestly, because now it wasn't just me, 
taking care of myself, but I had a wife and a son to take care of. So I was able to, to use that to, to focus my, my goals. Man, that's a really good uh, connection there. So, you know, you, you talked about responsibility and, and, it's almost like this innate thing if triggered, you know, and we, we lean into it to go, whoa, I'm, I'm, a, I matter here. This role matters. But then it sounds like, cause I, I think I struggle with confidence. It sounds like as you took action in that, you became confident. Is that, would you agree? Like, how did you become confident in that? Because I, in that season, cause I think a lot of men in that season want to be confident, but they don't necessarily know how to, did it, did did the action come or did the confidence come first, I guess? Yeah. I, I don't remember anything I specifically did. Um, I would just say that that season of my life kind of honed in that confidence, um, kind of living through those day-to-day challenges of parenting and, and being married. Yeah, so that's it, dude. It's that it's that showing up, right? So like you said, being married, being there. So leaning into your marriage, leaning into being a dad, and the more you do it, the more confident you get, uh, which I think is great that, that you lean into that. Um, it, you may have sort of answered this already, but I'm going to ask the question anyways. When did you embrace fatherhood? So it's like you have this moment of my mom says this thing to me, then I live with this family, then I do some work on myself, and then I'm going to get married, but with the intention we know we're going to have a family. When did you embrace fatherhood and say, this is really, my role is going to matter big time in these kids' lives? Yeah, I I would say it started in my childhood Mm-hmm. Um, having this idea of being a dad and then getting that negative message and, and rebelling against it. Right. There you go. Heck yeah. Um, so I, I had to not accept that that would be my fate. Um, and then in that first year of being a dad, I could kind of see why some men walk away from being a dad. You know, they want their independence, mm-hmm. They maybe they have commitment issues or they're still immature. And and I could see how it would be easy for somebody to walk away. But I I had to choose to stay mm. and to em- embrace being a, a father. Was your dad around when you were a kid? So it's kind of interesting. Um, I I sort of have three dads. The father, that would be my biological father, um, I lost him in uh, when I was three and got put in the foster care system. Wow. And there's actually records of him kind of showing up to the foster home and wanting to sort of get me, but then eventually just deciding, like, this isn't for me. Hmm. And, and, you know, not answering the phone anymore. So I, I think he just wasn't committed. You know, he, he really didn't want to be a dad as, as much as he loved me. Um, so he walked away. I got put in the foster care system. And then about a year later at the age of four was when I was adopted by my second father. So he he raised me from 4 to 18. And then going a bit deeper into the story, he actually went to prison when wow. I turned 18. Um and and he was actually my rock. So mm. my mom and I never got along my whole childhood, very negative, judgmental. My dad was always sort of supportive of me. So when I turned 18 and he goes to prison, my, my world just got rocked. Yeah. And, um, and so those were the first two fathers. And then the third one would be that church, um, friend that took me into his home. And then he's, he's been there for me ever since. Wow. Wow. So he's still at 30 years old. So 12 years later, he's still 
still serves in some ways as a, as a fatherhood figure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my kids call him grandpa. Mm. So just kind of a full acceptance of that um, relationship. And is there any connection to your biological father or your father who went to prison? So my father that went to prison, um, sort of off and on. Yeah. Um, so I actually had to testify against him in court, which was wow. really hard. Oh my gosh, bro. Wow. That's heavy. Um, and he, he ended up being a child molester. Um, and so I won't go into that right now, but he, he had some pretty dark stuff that was going on, um, that I, I had no idea about until those adult years. So mm. I had to put the pieces together and then I ended up realizing that I was a witness to it. I had just sh- sort of shoved it down, mm. um, deep inside it at the time. So I had to end up testifying against him. And I remember the lawyer asking me, how do you feel towards him? And he was trying to get me to say like, I hate him or I'm angry at him. I said, I, I, I don't hate him. I love him. I'm not angry at him. I'm really disappointed mm. at, at the choices he made. And it, it did tear our family apart and it let us down, you know, and, and I really wish that things were different. So he's, um, he's going to be in prison for probably 15 years, the next 15 years. But I have sent him messages, um, over time to check in and, and see how he's doing. My biological father died in 2011. Mm. And when I found his obituary, I grieved as if I had known him my whole life. Um, and so that was very interesting to me that even though I don't have a, a um, audible memory of him, that connection was still there. And it was yeah. a very powerful yeah. connection. Um, and, and since then, I've actually found all of his family members and gone out to Pennsylvania where they live and met them all. So that was a really cool period of time for me because then, you know, I went from this whole childhood of not seeing people that looked like me and having very different people in Mm. my life. And then I meet these people and they look like me and they talk like me. They have my sense of humor and there was just that sense of belonging so that was really cool. Wow, bro. Dude, life is messy, man. Life is messy and look at where you're at now. And I just want to go back to um I mean a few things. I got I got some notes here. But this one sentence that you said you said I chose to stay. Right? You gave this acknowledgement that hey, in this first year, I could understand why a dude may want to just go be a loner, go be wild, go be on their own. Like I could see it. And and I think many of us don't want to say that, but there's this definite transition in that first year where, where, where it's not like the thought came in, like I should leave. It's not that it's that you go, Whoa, now I have a better understanding of, of people's decisions. I'm not saying they're right, but I have a better understanding. And I wonder too, for you, you know, at that, that four year, four years old, you know, that, that sense abandonment that your, your, your biological father had, it's like you lived with this and then it's not a justification. I'm not hearing a justification from you, but, but you just made the comment that I understand, but I chose to stay. And I think that statement right there, I chose to stay how freaking beautiful is that if us men leaned into that not just i stayed but i stayed right like i got into the dirt i got into the mess i'm embracing this i'm like you're doing bro you are bringing up some heavy shit from life that many people could walk on a crutch and be like i would be a great dad but this or i would be but that i mean you just shared i mean multiple things dude where you go 
the cards are stacked against you is what the world would want to say, but not from the position you and I are in, right? Like we know we're children of God. We know that there's a deeper calling on us. We know that we have the power, the ability to change the course of our family's generational lines of bull crap. So kudos to you though, for showing up. Um, so the life is messy. That was the first thing. And I chose to stay. I think that's huge. Um, I just think to, to acknowledge, you said you grieved your dad, you know, and, and that there wasn't this, like, it's not like you had all these memories of it, but it's just a reminder to you and I, and to every dad listening that time when your kid's three months old and you're holding them or, you know, a year and you're rolling around on the floor with him, like those moments have a significant impact on us. Mm Mm-hmm. I think sometimes his dads were like, oh, well, when my kid's five, we can do this. Or when my kid can go hunting with me, I can do this. But it's like that precious time it, when they're little, just to hold them, just to be really powerful. I mean, clearly, right? You you acknowledge that connection you had with your dad. Right. And then how old were you when, you, when that lawyer was asking you those questions? I just kind of want to... Lean into that for a second, asking you, like, basically trying to get you to turn on your dad more. Yeah. So basically what happened, um, got kicked out of my house at 18, uh, was out on my own by 19. Halfway through being 19, I was struggling pretty hard um, and almost homeless. I didn't Mm. have a car. I had a job bussing tables and washing dishes, but that didn't pay the bills. And then um, I I really didn't have, like I had to drop out of school at one point and I didn't have enough life skills to really get me, you know, to a, a place I wanted to be. So I ended up enlisting in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the recruiter didn't want me to just join the regular Navy. He told me to become a Navy SEAL. So I I think there was this journey of healing because um, a lot of the childhood struggles, I was able to kind of turn that off for a while and just focus on being physically fit and driving toward this goal of joining special warfare in the Navy. Um, so I, I got a membership at a 24 hour fitness and I was swimming like three miles a day. I was running miles and miles a day. And then, um, I got a bike from a friend. And so between those three things, I was able to get in shape enough uh, to go into the Navy with a special rating. And shortly after, I found out I was disqualified because my vision wasn't 2020. Wow. Um, but I was able to stay as a Navy diver, um, which isn't quite as cool, but, you know, you still go through all the, the beat downs and, drown proofing and all that stuff. Um, so I did that for about seven months in the Navy and then I ended up getting dropped from the program. And that, that was hard. That was really hard because that had been like a year commitment of training for this program and kind of giving all my focus and energy to that. And then the, the way they, talk it up to you is that, you know, if you drop out, you're a failure and everything you've done in life is over. So, you know, if you, if you don't make it through the program, you feel pretty crappy about yourself. Um, so then that was a journey of getting over that failure. And, and then, um, I ended up becoming a CB, which is the construction force of the Navy. So, um, fast forward four years, I've been in the military, I come back home and that's when 
we had to do this case against my dad. <sighs> Man. So, um, yeah, I, I get back and California said, oh, welcome home. You owe $2,000 uh, for that car you bought in Mississippi. <laughs> and then the, the defense attorney calls me and says, hey, can you testify at your dad's trial? And that was my, my homecoming. So pretty rough. Bro, as you're sharing all this, I think sometimes when we listen to a podcast or we read a book or whatever we, or we look on Instagram, we look at all the highlights, right? We look at all these like things that just went really well, but this is life. Like what you're sharing is life. Like this is real life and real life is messy. And, and I do think, you know, for some it's messier, it can be messier, uh, and look at you, dude, you are freaking a father to three boys and, and a husband and, and, ah, uh, dude, you, these moments, these struggles have really shaped an incredible man. And it's wild because it's the hard things and it's the things that look like failures, but that strengthen you to be able to choose to stay, to choose to fight day after day after day. Um, I just really see this. I mean, you made decisions like joining the military and then, you know, having to go, uh, you know, be a defense against your father. Uh, these are moments that changed you from a boy to a man, right? I mean, do you agree that Absolutely. these are, yeah, these are moments. And I don't know that a lot of us get moments like that, um, to, to transition from boy to man. And, and in a lot of ways, it seems as though, circumstances did that to you there was a few people who did come alongside you like the man who who your kids call grandpa now um but dude heavy stuff bro wild um with that being said and and your life your your life's journey thus far and seeing some good examples grieving some examples you didn't really have you know didn't really maybe learn something that tangible you could say what would you say the role of the father is like sitting at your position now? What is the role of the father? So I, I think the, the clearest picture I have is that for generations before me, I've seen some pretty dark stuff, you know, be it my biological family who struggled with drugs and alcohol addiction or my adopted family you know, who struggled with sexual sins. Um, and me really being the barrier between these past sins, if you will, and this new legacy of better patterns of life and health and, you know, better choices, hopefully. So your role, your role is this rock that's standing in between what was and what's possible. Absolutely. Dude, that's a powerful statement. That's really powerful for, for a father. So that's really looking at yourself as a leader to, to stand back, right? I mean, I think of kind of like a, like a king who came from a line of terrible kings who were manipulative and mean and didn't build peace in their kingdom and and you're coming up inheriting okay this is who i am now and you get to look to the past and go these things didn't work but they're not going to define me and so i'm going to go move forward and something you had said is you know when you were 19 struggling almost homeless you didn't have any life skills and and i think that's really powerful for dads to hear because now you're sitting here as a man you, you're not being a victim saying, oh, I don't have any life skills. I'm going to go find them myself. But now, dude, you're probably going to have like, you know, five boys and you're going to, you're going to set these kids up. So when they're 19 walking out the house, the life skills they have as young princes to go be Kings in their own world, their own homes is going to be huge, bro, because of the decisions that you made, which is remarkable. Dude, really? I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud to know you that there's men like you who are fighting because there's no one, there's no mom calling you every week. Hey, are you pulling your shit together? You know, like you are doing this 
Um, and I'm sure there's a ton of great people in your life. Nobody does anything on their own, but dude, you're a, you're a soldier, bro. It's, it's amazing. With, with that being said, you know, looking at you as a, as a warrior, I mean, just the, 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 the battles you've continued to overcome, you know, this podcast is fatherhood field notes, which are clearly just divulging your field notes, your journals of life so that we could all grow. But as you know, the mantras rebel and create, you already dropped the, the name, uh, and it could be applied to anything. So, you know, the question, but what are you Brandon rebelling against in this season of life? And what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways I'm rebelling against my own past, um, Mm -hmm. insecurities, mental illness, anxiety, and depression, and creating a better future for my kids. Um, you know, which is a lot of personal development for me because yeah, yeah, that involves not coming home from work, you know, and I just dealt with a really bad commute and then just exploding on my family, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I mean, I can attribute that to my biological father because he had really bad anger issues and caused a lot of issues with his family. But that goes into... I'm going to take responsibility and I'm not going to say, well, I'm just this way. You know, I was born this way. This is in my genes, but I'm not going to act like that toward my family. And I'm going to protect them from, from my explosive anger. This is beautiful. So what are some practical ways that you're rebelling? So when you talk about, okay, I'm taking responsibility. Great. That sounds like an action item. Um, I'm rebelling against anxiety, depression, anger. What are some practical ways? Um, because it's not just like a decide today, I'm not going to be a dick. And then tomorrow I'm just great forever. Cause I still, you know, like I was a jerk to my family on Monday morning, you know, and I had to go apologize to them. It's just constant, constant growth. So when you think about that, what are some practical ways that you're leaning into taking responsibility? Yeah. So I, I think this podcast has been a huge benefit to me because mm-hmm. I've, I've heard other dads with similar struggles and how they deal with it. Right. So I'll write that down or I'll, you know, mentally note it and I'll add that to kind of what I'm doing for myself. Um, I spend a lot of time in prayer, meditation, Um, you know, anything I can do to try to calm my emotions and be more level-headed versus just this wave of emotion, you know, Mm -hmm. which, which was me historically. I like that idea of level-headed, right? Level-headed is, is not, is not suppressing your emotions, but it's almost like engage. It's like wrestling with them almost, um, uh, level-headed, right? Like I, I, I don't want to be way up here. I don't want to be way down here. I want to be level. Um, and then you talked about what you're creating is a better future for your kids. And I like how you said it for you to create a better future for your kids. You actually have to work on yourself. And that's what you said is personal development to, to set your sons up for success it's almost like it's more about the work that you're doing on yourself than it even is the investment you're doing with them. But you know what I mean? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah. So I think in the first two and a half years of my oldest son growing up, I was so focused on him and like, I got to make him better. I got to change, you know, his tantrum or, mm. Um, you know, try to calm him down and then I'm just getting worked up and not worrying about myself at all until I finally realized one day, well, he's acting like that because you're acting like that. Mm -hmm. And so then that's when it dinged on me. Okay. I got to work on myself first and then I can work on my boys. Wow, dude. And it's like the but 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 as you work on yourself, it's almost like they're just gonna see that their father is 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 in this process of becoming. And then I believe now, you know, like conversations like this, 
that then that will happen for them because they're going to follow in our footsteps of, of becoming not for the sake of ourselves, but for the sake of others. Right. Oh my gosh, dude. So powerful. Okay. So bro. So I want to ask this question, something that I had sort of heard you say, but have never heard the story about it, but you delivered your kid at home, which, which kid in line was this? And let's hear about this. Yeah, so that was the third son we just had three months ago. Okay, so three months ago, you delivered this baby. Was this at home? It was. Was this planned? It was not. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, that is a gift. Well, I haven't heard the story yet, but in my mind at the moment, that's a gift. So break this down for us. Yeah, so previously, we had decided to have a home birth. But, you know, we had a contracted midwife and, you know, we had prepped everything ahead of time. However, the baby decided to come a week after the due date, which was the day after Thanksgiving. So not only did like all my family were out of town, so nobody could watch our kids, the older kids, but, um, it happened at two in the morning. So the midwife never woke up. And, um, well, so the after, midwife wasn't at your house then, right? So you're calling correct. her saying this is happening. So, okay. What time did your wife wake you up or, or were you guys just up all night? Cause it was Thanksgiving to the next day, right? Yeah. Okay. So she said that she was awake the whole night. Okay. In labor. Your wife. Yeah. But she had been, you know, having contractions for a week ever since Mm -hmm. the due date. So there was no indication that the baby was coming. Then at 2 a.m., I woke up and I just had this feeling I had to go check on her. So I go check on her and she was totally chill. And she's having contractions like a minute apart. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this baby is going to be here in like an hour So I immediately called the midwife and as soon as she didn't pick up, I was like, I'm going to be delivering the baby. So (laughs) I just sort of like turned my emotion off, you know, let's just get this done. And then we did actually um, call our pastor's wife, who's a doula, Mm. um, just to have somebody supporting us. Um, I sent her over to the midwife's house to try to wake her up. And then by the time she got to the midwife's house, Melanie's already pushing my wife. And so I, dude, I got chills I, thinking about this. Was this is like, I mean, as you think back, dude, is this just like the wildest moment of your life? It is. I'm so glad that wow. didn't happen with the first son. yeah no doubt you had a little bit of experience seeing this go down okay so now 2 a.m you're hoping that uh that the midwife and the doula gets there but you are just seeing the writing on the wall this is happening and so you're just game on then yeah so i ended up calling 911 and the dispatchers are trained to like walk walk the dad through it so that was actually really helpful because um, she was calm and she was, you know, kind of giving me step-by-step instructions. And um, it, it was so fast. I mean, within seven minutes of her start, starting to push, the baby was out. So, <laughs> And so it was just the two of you? Yeah, um, for the first part. And then the paramedics actually got there um, for the last bit. So that was good because they could kind of make sure everything was okay. Um, and then it seemed like the baby wasn't breathing at Mm. first. So they, um, you know, used their little tools to help him open his airway. And then he, you know, started breathing and, and was totally fine. So, so how are you in that moment? So in the moment at towards the end, are you like, are you still just in it, right? Like you're just there in in the whole situation, handling it. 
Yeah, it it was total adrenaline and then just mental focus of like not letting my emotions come in in the moment. Um, so you were calm. Couple, yeah. And how did your wife of, respond to you? Sorry, tell me that. But I want to know how your wife was responding to you when it's just you and her. Is she like trusting you through this? Kind of. So, um, you know, as most women do when they're in that mode and mind you, she's not on any pain medication. Yeah. Uh, her, her brain's just in a whole different, you know, yes. Next level. Yeah. So I could tell she wasn't really there. Um, but you know, she was looking at me and she would do whatever I told her to. Mm. And Mm. so there was that, yeah, there was that trust of, okay, you know, just tell me what I got to do. And I'll do it. So, uh, so wild. Okay. So, what were you going to say? Maybe you, you were starting to say like a couple hours later or something like that. Oh, yeah. So, a couple hours later, I, I turned my emotions back on. And then it just hit me like a huge wave of mm. everything we'd just gone through. What did that look like? Did that mean like I'm, I need a minute by myself or I'm hugging my wife or I'm crying? Like, what did that wave of emotion look like? Yeah, just going in a different room and literally sobbing. Yeah. So. Oh, dude, that's so wild. Um, That is one thing that I think Sarah and I look back on as a wish. Not so much that we did it by ourselves like that, but that we had a home birth. If I could go back, I would definitely do that because I would love to have been a part of delivering the baby. Um. But that ship has now sailed, right? Our youngest is 10 and just not, not going to happen. Um, wow, dude, what a gift. I mean, at the moment, maybe not feel that way, but to have that, uh, like I've delivered a baby. I mean, dude, that's next level manhood right there. (laughs) That's serious. Uh, with that life skill that you now have (laughs) a baby deliverer, Going back to what you said about not having life skills when you were 19, and now we're talking about you having sons, sending them off. I'd love to ask you, because I asked myself this question, actually. So today, this afternoon, it's Saturday, okay? So this afternoon, I have this like whole annual family plan with my family. And I've done this every year. So like what we're going to do, and, and it was what we're going to do is... um we're going through like our core values and reflecting on last year, thinking about this coming year. I'm actually going to have each of my family. They don't know this yet. I'm going to give them a half an hour to write their own story of our move to Hawaii and what that meant to them. And so I've got this whole like thing planned. But as I started preparing for this, I asked myself, Ned, what do you really want your kids to know when they move out? What do you really want them to know? And so then, and then when we'll, so then what we'll end with is, um, every year we look at all of, not all of them, but like highlight pictures from the year before. So we'll look at all of our 2022 pictures tonight and have, have dinner together. But when I said, so this has been on my mind, what do I want my girls and my son to know when they leave my home? So with that being said, right, I wasn't in the same circumstances you were at 19. So you have an even deeper conviction, maybe of like, some real basic core needs when your sons move out. What is it that you want them to know life skills wise? Yeah. So I, I think I've come to the conclusion that they don't need to go to a four year university. You know, Mm -hmm. if, if they have a driver's license and they're ready to work, you know, I'm happy. Um, Mm. Now, between now and then, my my job is to give them as many tools as I can to help them when they become an adult. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of that's going to be trial and error, I'm sure, which, which you've experienced as you've raised your kids. Um, but, you know, I can look back at my childhood and and have a picture of, what was I missing? You know, what would have been helpful, you know, for me to know in that journey and then, you know, plan accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you made it really basic, right? I want to teach you, 
I, I want you to have a driver's license and the ability to work. So when you think about the ability to work, what are a couple of characteristics or a couple of traits that you've probably had to learn on your own the last 10 years that that would lead to your sons being successful? Can you think of a couple of skills that you're like, this is important to know if you're going to go into the workforce? I, I think discipline is something that's lacking from a lot of young adults. Um, you know, a lot of old adults too. Yeah. <laughs> um, what so, does discipline mean to you? Like when you say discipline, what does that mean? So, you know, showing up on time for mm-hmm. your shift would be a, a big one. Um, staying till the work's done. Um, not needing to be told what to do constantly but having the initiative to step up yeah. and and get things done without being told i think those are really important yeah right there dude you're like be on time uh take initiative which is huge right like i don't want this is what i'm working on with my 13 year old son right now when i say go clean up the backyard and i say the leaves and the if I say go clean up the leaves in on the grass, literally the leaves will all be picked up. But then there's like, say there's a wrapper, like a Snickers wrapper or whatever, granola bar for the left for whatever that would still be there. So I'm like, you gotta <laughs> see, don't just do the action. Like look and see what's actually trying to be accomplished here. But dude, 13 year old boys just like, what do I got to do to go skateboard? Okay. Leaves, mm-hmm. no leaves. I'm out. But it's, so I finally told my wife, cause it's like, he, you could, he could take his hat off and put it on the kitchen table and never see it again. Walk by it a hundred times. And, and I'm like, this is our job for the next five years or whatever. This is our job. It's not this one time thing. Um, okay. So you said initiative, be on time, um, and stay till the work is done, dude. That's key. Like those are three major qualities, uh, and their skills. So, so beautiful. Um, okay, dude, dude. So good. Um, the last thing I, I want to ask you one question before I ask my final question and you made the comment, we're going to have one more biological, then we're going to adopt. You know, my wife has, has talked to me about this in the past. And I think that the ship has sailed on that unless like God had a baby dropped on our doorstep or maybe one day an 18 year old dropped on our doorstep who needs a place. But I do think it takes like a really special heart to have adoption, you know, or to, to adopt. So What's that conversation look like? You know, as a dad's listening to this and maybe it's in his heart or it's a conversation his wife's bringing up to him, maybe shed some light on what those conversations have been like for you and your spouse. Yeah. So I think it's been pretty clear for me because I went through that whole process, you know, I lived it. So I know what those kids have gone through. I know what they experienced in childhood and, you know, struggles they'll have in adulthood. Um, I was pleasantly surprised to find out my wife felt the same way, you know, mm. um, being very far removed from that. Um, now, yeah, and, and I would almost say it's more important to her than me at this point. So, wow. so that's been huge. Wow. Yeah, that is huge. And is it something that you talk about regularly or is it now just kind of like this is just the plan? The plan is that this is, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, it came up recently because after this third son was born, uh, we talked about being done mm-hmm. and we, we really were ready to, to tie it up. No pun intended. <laughs> and, um, and then after a month, you know, it, it was clear we're not done. We're going to have one more, but you know, we wanted to have that conversation of, okay, if we're not going to have another one biologically, do we still want to adopt? And it was still a very clear yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When did these conversations happen? I mean, these are, these are important conversations. So is this like we're laying in bed talking about it? We schedule time to talk about it. Um, 
the kids are running all over the house and we're just sitting on the couch. Like, when do those conversations seem to happen? You know, it, it's sporadic. Um, I would, I would say it typically happens in the kitchen at the dining table, mm. but it's never planned. You know, it's like the hurricane just went through <laughs> yeah. and, and now you're in the eye of the storm and there's just this 15 minutes where we really engage at this deep level about these important topics and make a decision. And then, you know, a few months go by. Um, I'd love to say that we get childcare and we go on this really romantic date and stare into each other's eyes while we have that conversation. But that's just not real (laughs) at this point in time. So I think that that's just a really wise statement. And I think sometimes if we're sitting at the dining table, maybe we have our phone or maybe the TV's on. And when either I say something important or my spouse says something important, we might say, oh, let's talk about that later. But to go, there's never a better time. Like if this spurs in your soul and your heart, like lean in. So if your spouse says something to you, dudes, because that's probably the way that it would go in some instances, don't push it off lean into it, put, you got 10 minutes, right? You got 15 minutes. And I like how you said it, man. You said, we'll just lean in for 15 minutes while the freaking storm's going on. But this is how you ended it. You said, and make a decision. And, and, and dudes, I don't think that we step in and, and collaborate and then make a decision. I think a lot of times we half-ass listen and then say, yeah, let's talk about that again later. But really we're just delaying having to make a decision. So kudos, man. Uh, Brandon, here's my last question to you, bro. Legacy question. Imagine 30 years from now, 30 years from now, your sons and whatever other children you have raised are roughly your age. Imagine you're standing out in the street, staring in the windows of their homes, seeing what their lives look like. What do you see being played out, which would put a huge grin on your face to go, I, 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 I played a major role in what I'm seeing right now. Yeah. I would see confident men who Mm. are, um, leaders in their home and leaders in, uh, leading the next generation in our society, um, with better patterns of, of health. Ah, dude, really, really well said. Brandon, I was looking forward to connecting with you. I had no idea your story. I had no idea just the, the, you just, you filled my cup, bro. Knowing that there's men like you out there who are waking up every day, fighting for their families, loving their families, choosing to stay, choosing to better themselves for the sake of the world. Um, really value the connection we made today. I look forward to staying connected to you and uh, thank you for taking time uh, to, to talk fatherhood with me. Thank you. All right, brother. Until next time. What an incredible conversation. I so appreciated how Brandon went vulnerable so quick, so fast. And I think all of us resonate with that, right? That's where we really make connections, where our souls are moved. So what an inspiration. The hope is that you and I find moments, find opportunities to become vulnerable, to become open, to share our lives with others, because that's where we can learn, learn a lot from each other. My friends, you are already making massive change to your legacy and your family tree by investing in yourself as a father. As you know, many men stumble into their role as a father. Our society is in desperate need for fathers who know who they are and are engaged in their homes. I created the Adventure of Fatherhood Children's Book and Gift as an opportunity for you to be a part of another man's adventure. And many of you help bring this to life through funding the Kickstarter campaign we did in 2022. Massive thank you. This book was released February 14th, 2023, and I'm so, so happy about it. But please help me spread the word that fatherhood matters. I worked hard for you and I to have a rad gift to welcome a new dad or honor a young dad with a new baby into his role. That's what this children's book is designed for primarily and to connect fathers to their sons. And side note, the father-daughter version should be coming out in about a year or hopefully less. But go to adventurefatherhood.com to order a kid's book and make your own gift for a new dad. Or I've done the legwork. You can order a rad gift box, doctor it up yourself, or just send it 
put a personalized note in there. We'll do that for you and we'll ship it. Uh, your friend's new baby could one day grow up and marry your kid. So the way that your friend raises that baby, the way that he's a dad, it matters, right? It, this all matters for well beyond our lives. So together, let's invite fathers into their role. Thank all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. Mm-hmm.